0: All right, this is The Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We've got a fantastic guest. I say that all the time, but this (laughs) one is a very fantastic guest.
1: (laughs) I just figured it was part of your opening (laughs) monologue. John (laughs) Warren. John, how are you doing? I'm doing
0: very well. All right. uh, John Warren, you are a teacher. I think you still act as well, do you? Well, I'm I'm mostly directed.
2: Yeah, director, producer, uh, and have been focused on uh, on working with teenagers for a long time now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, primarily a teacher now.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, you've been focusing on getting teenagers to uh, to create um, to and you and they work with film as well as um, on stage. Is that right? We
2: we've done a lot of photography. We've used we've used a lot of. you know, taking images with within communities and different mm-hmm. situations to try to illuminate, um, you know, what what they whatever it is that we're trying to explore. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think you've created art. Conservat- the conservatory, the conservatory theater ensemble is that your group?
2: No, that's that's the name of the theater company okay. um, that is uh, housed at Temple Pius High School. They've okay. been around for a long, long time, and they Got brought it. me in as a as a guest artist many, many times. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing that they've they've crafted. It's more than simply a theater department they really conceive of it as a theater as a student-run theater mm-hmm. company um, that produces many many shows over the course of the year
0: wow and i've
2: had the opportunity to develop work over many months mm-hmm. um with uh, with that program
0: that's fantastic and we'll talk more about that Thanks. as i begin our podcast every week although i <laughs> We've been with each other every for, day for How the next couple week? of weeks. <laughs> the
1: next couple of podcasts, the answer will basically be the same. Yeah. Four men in Paris. It's <laughs> life has been four men in Paris, but today I am just coming back from an audition for Golden Thread, so hopefully I can put the acting hat back on. Yeah, soon. and you've been. I think you did a modeling gig too, right? I do lots of modeling gigs. No, it was uh, yesterday's was insane. It was um, they specifically wanted a suit and tie. And asked if the model was okay w- um, putting on some clown regalia. So, I had a clown hat, like a steel bowler, and um, and then a clown wig that I you know switched back and forth. I had a clown nose that made my nose run the whole time. <laughs> okay. And uh, and clown shoes. Wow. Yeah. And then that was what was weird about it. So the experience <laughs> was just another experience. Okay. I go home and I guess I'm just not. A suit and tie kind of guy. And my neighborhood is not a suit and tie kind of neighborhood. So I get out of my car and I hear Obama, Obama. (laughs) And I look and this guy is slow rolling through the intersection with his phone held out videotaping me. Obama! Obama! He's never I, seen a black guy in a suit before? I, Yeah. I was <laughs> okay. like, I don't know what's going on. But this is my world, so. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I assume <laughs>
1: you were no longer dressed as a clown. Uh, clown that would have The clown stuff was their right. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I got my hair so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm sporting right, my exactly. Obama haircut now.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. But he's significantly taller. Taller, <laughs> Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. The first thing but my wife said. S- <laughs> Although John, you are—I'll guess you're six three or something like that. Six two, yeah. Six two, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, this is bright, yeah. This is bright.
0: Oh, Our yeah. sound, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's just is the mic. Is it loud? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's yeah. It's just the. It's it's one of those things dealing with sound recording. Um, and we, all of us have uh, headphones on. Some headphones are power more powerful than others, mm-hmm. so I think yours is getting a lot more power. But in any case, uh, yeah. This has been a very strange week. I'm, I've been yeah. just to Kavanaugh hearings. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. it's funny when there's some news where I can read it and say, okay, that's interesting, and then put it away. Mm-hmm. There's some where it's so emotional, it just grabs you. And yeah. early yeah. this week, it was about, um, uh, what's that dude's name, Rothenstein, whether he was going to be oh, fired Rosenstein, or yeah. Rosenstein, Yeah. yeah. The assistant attorney general, whether he's going to be fired or not, and right. they were trying to get him to quit. Them being the Trump administration, he was like, "No, right. I'm not going to quit. You got to fire me." Right. He was like, "Well, we'll talk on Thursday." But of course, Thursday, right? We had Dr. Ford uh, give her testimony. Yeah, very, very emotional. It reminded mm-hmm. me so much of the Anita Hill hearings. And then Friday, incredible drama. Um, just well, actually, Thursday evening, we had Kavanaugh himself give his, you know, rebuttal. Yeah. <laughs> Which was crazy, and then you know, Friday we have the whole Jeff Senator Jeff Flake and drama right there on the screen. You talk about theater of life.
1: Right. How did you consume all this?
2: Well, it's it's been interesting to be in a. In a school, while all this is yeah. going on, mm-hmm. it's a hell of a civics lesson, isn't it? Yeah, very much. And to be thinking as faculty about how do we how do we hold the space, how do we create the space for mm-hmm. students to process what they're hearing? There's mm-hmm. different levels of understanding and interest in mm-hmm. what's going on. Some right. people really rapidly trying to tr- trying to consume it and understand it. Some mm-hmm. students being you know potentially triggered by having had similar right. experiences and yeah, yeah. needing somehow the space to. Uh, reconcile with that, yeah. um, and then you know, having our own reactions around right. what's going on, and you know whe- whether it's. Um, I've definitely had some some colleagues. One female colleague in particular was was just really taken aback, ta- taken by surprise at how much of a response that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. how how she she was not expecting to to be so just oh. really physically wrung out oh, yeah. by yeah. the end of that day, watching that give and take and really empathizing with
1: people kept saying that um that they were they were having these visceral reactions people wanting to throw up people feeling like they were gagging or having just a physical reaction i couldn't watch i didn't watch any of it i've seen a few clips i've listened to a lot and i've read (laughs) i read a few sources that i'm like okay you you aren't going to piss me off let me (laughs) let me see what you've got to say and it was wonderful just to read her opening statement that was beautiful
0: yeah Incredibly powerful. And I remember I posted it online. uh, I remember being at Forbes magazine in 1992 when the Anita Hill uh, thing Mm – no, I'm sorry. It was 1991 Mm -hmm. when the Anita Hill hearing – Clarence Thomas hearings was going on. And it's so sad that – and I don't know if race has a part of it, but Mm -hmm. Dr. Ford has had a visceral impact. And, of course, the internet has a lot to do with it. I mean, this is the day of social media where – you you know, I, I streamed all of it. I was uh, busy copying, bait stamping. I, I worked for the DA's office in San Francisco. So I was streaming all of this while this was going on. Mm-hmm. So I was having a reaction while doing all of this. But isn't it sad that... She, I think that Dr. Ford was treated very well, not by the Republicans, but Mm -hmm. at least she had a a, a means of speaking. I think people were very careful about how they treated her, right? And she did get her story out. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, the FBI will, you know, get more in. But I think she was treated with far more respect than Anita Hill was.
1: Oh yeah, in my opinion,
0: absolutely. Yeah, Yeah.
1: no, because I remember seeing the picture the first time I saw a picture of young Biden Mm -hmm. and going. Wait a minute! I remember not liking you, and it's just panel of men back yeah. then. It was yeah. panel of men. They were like you guys who who are you? G- you guys are being evil to this woman.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. And I think they certainly learned some some of those pitfalls in choosing to you know, mm-hmm. place. Uh, uh, a separate prosecuting attorney, if you will, and sure, you know, in front and <laughs> not allow themselves to be largely right. until the end when they yeah. couldn't, couldn't when they control couldn't couldn't themselves control. <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, you know, they not only disrespected Doctor. Ford, the Republicans, they disrespected Diane Feinstein, which is more of a political mm-hmm. attack, and also the prosecutor who, in the second half of it, when Kavanaugh was speaking, they were like, "Okay, we don't need you anymore. Right? See you later. You've you've, ser- you've served our purpose.
1: We can handle this. Right? 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 right. And it ended." With an appeal to God, I did hear that, and I was mm. like because i guess I guess I was done with whatever else I was doing, and I rolled home and I was just listening to like the last half hour mm. and appeal to God i 'm like seriously you d- you just asked him to swear to God that he never did this yeah
0: it's uh. you know i I have a Christian podcast that I do earlier and it just infuriates me when people use the name of God to hide behind their own mm-hmm. misgivings or, you know, they like w- put a nice clean up, uh, you know, a thing of paint, <coughs> fresh sure. mm-hmm. thing of paint to cover up what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like that at all. Okay, well, we, we've talked about the politics <laughs> and I'm sure there, I'm sure there other things going on. Let's, let's get right into it. So uh, John Warren, uh, you're a teacher. Uh, I've read a couple of uh, the – you've given us a couple of clips, like uh, you have um, the John Walker Lynn Project, which you you, uh, you and your class worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a couple of years. That was in 2003.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, That's a while ago now. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: And also uh, you worked on the Black Panther. You guys worked on the Black Panther movement.
2: Uh, we mo- oh, most recently last year in a in a history class, yeah. uh, we brought in uh, a couple of hip hop artists: right you know, Marlon Richardson, uh, Carlos Aguirre, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Wolf. Uh, all mm. of, uh, most of the members of, of yeah. uh to come in and, and help the students develop uh, a spoke some spoken word perf- um mm-hmm. responses yeah. to the Panther 10-Point program and the school where I, where I was working in Vision Academy. Yeah. Um, it was just a couple blocks from the Alameda County Courthouse where no. Huey P. Newton had – Had had um, many of his hearings. Weapons.
1: Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well. Oh no, that was Sacramento, wasn't
2: it? Yes, that was in Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and so yeah, so we so we tried to bring in an arts project in response to the space that we were in and Mm -hmm. the and the uh, the ideas behind the Ten Point Plan. So many of which are Mm -hmm. unrealized and still you know ring really essential as essential demands today for the most part. Mm -hmm. People don't
1: even know what it is. No, I invited John because Mm -hmm. I um. I've known John for a long time in Bay Area Theater. And um, watching the evolution of just being another little theater company doing things like Zoo Story Mm -hmm. to starting to develop these pieces that just way more specifically respond to the times Mm -hmm. seemed great. So as you started to move towards education more, it was like, wow, you have found a way to navigate this that really kind of holds on to that core. You know, there's something exciting and wonderful and communicative about theater. But I can I can adjust the content. Mm-hmm. I guess would be a way of describing. Yeah,
2: it. Yeah, oh th- thank you for that, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> that plug. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, I think part of my evolution of of choosing to move from working as a professional artist uh, into focusing in entirely on working with students mm-hmm. um, was that just that vitality of of the inquiry, mm-hmm. of putting out a question around what's what's just for you and your communities um, wh- what are some questions that are not being answered what are some stories that you want to investigate and sort of allowing creating a container for them to look for those stories and, and help them uh, shape it into a place where not only are they uncovering say the history of mm-hmm. a community um, and uncovering some interesting stories but but also they get to place within that their own, learnings and their yeah. own sort of ahas about where they live or assumptions they've made or what they're actually comfortable with or surprised by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's something in that interplay within an educational um, mm-hmm. sort of container that, that I think is can be really, really fascinating for an audience. Yeah. And also that, that ends up being part of the story is we're yeah. all invested in what is it that students are learning from the world around them and to give them a chance to mm-hmm. articulate the story and their place within it has yeah. been
0: really, really
2: fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating.
0: I was reading about the, uh, your work with the John Walker Lynn Project mm-hmm. where the kids sort of – it wasn't just about John Walker Lynn. It was about basically uh, – John Walker Lynn was, the I guess, called the American Taliban. Mm-hmm. But it, they were really – the kids did interviews with people who were around that area, mm-hmm. and they sort of created these interviews into a play. Yes, um, I wish they had. I wish that was something, something that we had, you know, in high school. I mean, I went to an arts high school, but basically we did, you know, pieces. But as far as taking something that's happening out into the world, getting a kid's interpretation of it, uh, a high school student's interpretation, having them create art out of it, so that you know, a lot of times s- teachers will give a curriculum to a student. Here's what you're going to learn. Here's how you're going to learn it. But now you're putting the power into the students; they, they get to talk about what's what what's important to them. Mm-hmm.
2: And I I really think of theater not as an end within itself, but mm-hmm. but as a vehicle, yeah. as mm-hmm. a means to an end. And the, and the end for me is whatever those stories are, or those messages, or those realizations yeah. that that are that are within the narrative that you're telling. Mm-hmm. And theater is simply one wonderful vehicle mm-hmm. to get those stories out there yeah mm-hmm. um, and and so that's so a lot of times when I'm working with students mm-hmm. um, my my expectation is that most of the students I'm working with are, are not going to stay in theater that's not a thing <coughs> that they're going to pursue right. professionally mm-hmm. um, but thinking about n- not just the skills of theater that it's taking theater classes is a wonderful way to mm-hmm. just um, develop your own just poise and voice and confidence in front of people, right, all those those social skills and professional skills. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also is, I think, can be a a place in which you're exploring empathy and Mm -hmm. trying to get inside the voices and the heads and the mindsets of people who have very different experiences than you or have very different opinions than you, Mm -hmm. and to just be be forced to grapple with that and, and actually take on those people in a yeah. way that you can present them um, authentically. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think those sorts of experiences are really sort of essential to be able to participate I- in our democracy.
0: That's mm-hmm. the wonderful thing about art, the yeah. fact that we can step in someone else's shoes and learn how to emphasize or whatever. And it's so, so important at the at the age, the high school age. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, yes. 14, 15, 16 um, you know, those are the skills that they need. How does the process work? Do uh, do you, do? Um, so there's a company within the high school, is that right? Um, so that's at uh, Tamal Pius High School. Yes,
2: mm-hmm. uh, I am. N- I am now teaching at the Urban School in San Francisco. Cool. Um, and I've just started there. Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, yeah. so so largely brand say, new. Yeah. Right. Right. So largely, I'm sort of car- carrying on this. W- Phenomenal legacy of, of the uh, f- folks who, who were there for a long, long time, mm-hmm. Francis Evans and Wendy Parkman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm sort of I'm, – I'm in that kind of fact-finding mode of trying to figure so out how can I be shaping – this department so mm-hmm. that projects like this can sort of live within the mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. of the school and the just the logistics of when classes meet and yeah. and all of that. Right. So I don't really have an answer of how that's going to work in my current yeah. uh, employment. Mm-hmm. But, but when I was up at TAM, right. um, yeah, they would bring me in as a guest artist. Um, and uh, I would just start with just asking questions and having exploratory conversations about just what's going on what what are you what are you worried about what um, are you feeling cool. anxious about yeah and the year that we did that one the John mm-hmm. Marker Lynn story um, I, it was uh, i think the first yeah i think that was the first original documentary piece that i had i had done with students mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i walked in there expecting them to want to talk about <laughs> problems on the campus or right. issues with teachers or mm-hmm. like Problems related to, say, Their alcohol or yeah. drug use or sure. dating, or right. And I walked in there, and it was uh, during the, you know, we we'd gotten involved in Afghanistan, and right. there was all this talk sure. of going to war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Oh well, we want it. We're really anxious about American foreign policy." Mm. It was like. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, wow. Um, and what I didn't want them doing was just running around asking a bunch of people that happen to live in Mill Valley, right. hey, how do you feel about American foreign policy, right. right? So we were looking for what is the story within this community mm-hmm. that can only be told by this community yeah, that right. has a resonance on that larger question. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then John Walker Lynn grew up two towns over, and mm-hmm. they actually, some of the Folks in the class were like friends of friends, Uh you know, his family. And so we Mm -hmm. thought, what a great way to explore just this Mm -hmm. moment where not only is we having this reaction to this guy, the so-called American Taliban, and his choice to do that. But it was currently the media was shining a light on Marin County as like these crazy hot tubbers who have like no moral – everything is moral relativity. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was a way to actually try to ask questions related to that as well, mm-hmm. about what, you know, what, mm-hmm. what is the experience of growing up in Marin and mm-hmm. trying to understand what is patriotism and how do you follow your beliefs. and
1: That is that yeah. awesome. I, yeah. feel like, I feel like we kind of jumped because normally we, we put our guests on the hot seat and ask about your origin story. Oh, okay. And I, and I feel like we're going to spend some time talking about this stuff, so yeah. we should get the origin story out of the way. Sure. Okay. Right. So how did you get started in theater?
2: Um, so, uh, I started taking acting classes, uh, when I was in second grade. Um, Were you you born and raised here? I was, no, I was was born and raised in New York City. Oh, right on. And I grew up in Greenwich Village, and, uh, the Strasbourg, the Lee Lee Strasburg Institute, Mm. um, was just a few blocks from where I grew up, and so I got to take my first acting classes there, so, like, my earliest memory in acting classes were doing things like sense memory work. Ah. Um, Awesome, and Mm -hmm. what, one of my teachers was Lee Strasberg's daughter, Susan, Susan Strasberg, Um, and I just really just, it just really fed me. I really just, I had just incredible enjoyment in in it. And, and I remember going through a number of classes and I had a few teachers I'd I'd have multiple times as I, as I got older and I did those classes, you know, every year, gosh, and through middle school. Um, and, uh, there was one class. I, th- I think we, we were doing that. And often it's an orange, right? That's kind of the classic thing that you start with is is an orange. Mm-hmm. You smell the orange, feel the texture of the orange, mm-hmm. and, and sort of um, you know method acting, uh, mm-hmm. sense memory work, um, and you try to engage all your senses, and then then you put the orange away, and then you try to right engage, like trying to recreate and really feel and engage your senses in what mm-hmm. it was yeah. like and make it real for you yeah. I- in the same way that we often ask actors to have real emotions in a moment where you have to manufacture it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember in, uh, I was taking a class again with somebody who I'd had when I was very young and we were doing the exact same exercise and I had so much less to say about the orange. And mm. I still remember this, that mm. she said, well, I was having trouble coming up with anything else. I'm like, it's an orange. You know, it feels this way. It smells this way. Can we move on? Yeah. And she just kind of called me out on it. Do you realize how much more open and how much more curious um, you were diving into a simple exploratory activity when you were younger? Mm -hmm. And it was a real lesson for me that it stuck with me all these years, just the ways that just as we grow older, we start... Covering ourselves up or yeah. limiting mm-hmm. the sc- our scope of curiosity, um, and so that was that was a really kind of pivotal moment for me. Thinking about how can how can I be using theater, both myself as an artist, but now working with students, mm-hmm. um, a- as a vehicle to kind of keep that curiosity cracked open, sure, to keep sure. those observational skills just just open and and, and alive. Mm-hmm. Right. So, were you doing plays in second grade? I was, so I think it was, was it second or third grade? Mm-hmm. I played, um, because we're not in a theater, so I can call oh, I can call yeah, it Macbeth, yeah, Macbeth rather yes. than the Scottish play. <laughs> oh, you believe, you believe um, I'm that? Sorry, I'm sorry, Rich, if you're going to do any performances in here at any point. I I'm don't believe in the superstition
1: at
0: all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, d- I don't call it out because I piss off the other actors. Right, right, <laughs> right. right.
1: right. <laughs> but it's so ingrained in me that yeah I'm always careful I'm getting ready to say it if you if you have an issue with this you better speak yep, up
2: yeah <laughs> yeah yep. so i uh, I was cast as Macduff's son right who gets murdered mm. in oh, Macbeth. wow and so I was it was you know looking back on it I, I think it was probably a kind of showcase performance for um, adult actors at the institute many of whom were you know working professionals but mm-hmm. they also would mm-hmm. put on the, these showcases so people mm-hmm. could come come see their work and mm-hmm. they could have that practice, um, and so yeah. So I, I played Macduff's uh, son, and uh, what I remember from that experience was the the guy who stabbed me, the murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, he kept he kept urging me to not anticipate the stabbing, right? Mm-hmm. That I could be anxious about them being in the room. And How old were you again? I've th- I think third grade, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, my daughter is currently yeah. in third grade, right? Cool. So yeah I, was, yeah, I guess eight. Yeah, uh, and so it's it's funny to think about. Like I was I was that age being in this in this play, and sh- and so he kept urging me don't don't anticipate it. Apparently, I was I would sort of <laughs> jump or I would flinch yeah. before the knife came in. Yeah. It was a retractable knife, but it still really didn't feel pleasant. Sure, um, and so on the final night, I guess he got fed up with me anticipating it. He grabbed me a line early, flipped me upside down, stabbed me, and then dropped me on my head and. <laughs> <laughs> wow! At least that's how I remembered it. Probably wasn't quite that <laughs> and, and violent, you stayed in, right? Even so and and I, you know, crumpled in the ground. And after the show, my mother had she had been there I, probably every night, right? And she said, "God, you just—it was so realistic. You looked like you were in so much pain." I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I guess. Method acting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in pain. Wow. And then I ran into that guy, speaking of dressing up as as a clown, Norman, yes. I ran into that guy um, like – a few months later on a street corner i think dressed as a clown uh-huh. handing out oh, no. like circulars or sure. coupons right. i think for like crazy mm. eddies remember the remember the electronics yeah, store yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um, and was he was, that's what that's what he was doing <laughs>
1: like
0: whoa this is the life of the actor this I, is the life <laughs> of the actor <laughs> wow so what about uh, what college did you study in I
2: did. I did. Yeah, I did. I did um, theater all through uh, through high school, okay, uh, in New York, yeah. and then I went on to Brown University, and I majored in theater there. Cool. Um, and what I just adored about the program and ju- and just the the spirit of the, of the campus at Brown was it had a wonderful theater department mm-hmm. and lots of great classes with very thoughtful insightful professors um, and they, I was in a, a couple of the department productions but largely what I, where I really spent most of my time and I, I think really learned more about theater than in any other phase in my life was working in the student black box theater. Mm. Um, There was just a a complete student leadership. I ended up joining this board that we we had shows running constantly and you'd have to come in and and students would come in and make proposals about Mm -hmm. what show they wanted to do and why and how they were going to stay within budget. And so I just got this crash course in what it is to curate and produce and then work under these constraints of a tiny little budget in and in mm-hmm. a you know in a black box theater, yeah. um, and so that's really was a, a lot of what I uh, still draw from in terms cool. of college
0: experience. Yeah, and what what brought you here? What when did you come out here to the Bay?
2: So moving moving to the Bay Area was one of the single most arbitrary decisions I've ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and again, I try to I look at that. I'm like, you know, arbitrary decisions can
1: mm-hmm. they have a place? Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, those of us who I think overthink and over rationalize, I well, don't know if either of you I'm suffer from with that. Kids but and
1: something like that happens, and you're like, I have no idea where that came from, but oh my god, that's great. That's what we're doing now. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah.
2: So I had, um, after college, I'd done an internship, a directing internship at Milwaukee Rep- Repertory Theater. Nice. Um, and uh, one of the other directing interns was mm-hmm. from San Francisco. Um, and he and I had stayed in touch. I had moved back to New York and was largely, you know, working the actor life, meaning I was doing temp work on right. computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so he called me up. I, I did. I did make a huge dent in my student loans uh, oh. doing the, doing those jobs. Uh, so yeah, exactly. that's part of the story, right? Because yeah, then I could afford yeah. to do theater after you know getting mm-hmm. getting that all right. You know, yeah. Uh, in in uh, right, in getting shape, used yeah. to having
1: an income and right. not having to. Toss all over. Right,
2: not having so much debt mm-hmm. hanging over my head. And mm-hmm. that, that's one of the things I worry about today with people going into the arts, that mm-hmm. unless you're independently wealthy and if you have huge student debt, right. how are you actually going to work in this world at all? Exactly. Well, because it,
1: it does pay so little. To flip it, you know, what are these organizations because I, I get annoyed about this all the time. Everybody's got this vision, this artistic dream they want to have. And then they're quick to tell everybody that they're working with, oh, it's too bad we don't have any money, but I want you to realize my vision. Right. And it's like, well, where's the reciprocity? Where's the, you know, um, even something as simple as giving people comps. You know, just mm-hmm. some way to say I don't have the money to pay you, but right. I can I can improve your experience. You know, there are other ways that I can improve your experience. We tried to when I first formed my. Theater company mm-hmm. uh, in San
2: Francisco, Unconditional Theater.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, I, I should finish the, the last guy? story. Was it's okay. other, yeah. No, no, he no, he wasn't. Um, oh. By that point, he had decided to go into the foreign service, uh, which he's still doing today. Wow. Um, yeah. So, um, but he lived in San Francisco and called me and said, "Hey, we got an extra room. I got a roommate moving out. Do you want to come out here for the summer?" <laughs> mm-hmm. And I came out for the summer, and you yeah. know, the joke what I year, tell is it hasn't snowed yet, so you know, <laughs> I'm still here for the summer. Now, what year is this? Uh, that was 1994. Oh, okay, Canada. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say um, with Unconditional Theater. We, you know, we it was important to pay some pay people something, and so right. I think our first stipend, I, I think it was literally twenty five dollars, right? right? Yeah, but yeah. but to just say, look, something, it's something. At least we're right. at least we're covering mm-hmm. like most of your bus fare to and from rehearsal, mm-hmm. or like one nice dinner, like yeah. you know, yeah. Um, and but I remember we on one show we decided we were going to do uh, some profit sharing, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we broke even, we would split fifty fifty whatever we made above that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it came to for each actor i think it was like twelve dollars and five cents or something like mm-hmm. that and so i dutifully cut all these checks and right. it was very sweet the number of people were like please don't give me that Please right. reinvest reinvested in your company right, right? or like they mail it back or you For know sure. which was yeah. very sweet but i also believe just the gesture it said look this we're not making anything but we're still sharing what we've got I because I was just you
1: know you're the principal artist on this i was few years out of college at that point and getting to know the scene. I'd been involved in the scene, but starting to get to know it better. And I think there were a number of companies that were like – it's funny. A small company has to make those choices. It always starts with somebody's vision, often just a we want to do this show for whatever reason. um, And then that starts to generate some what else can we do, who are we, how are we going to be – And it felt like there were a number of companies like Unconditional at that point who were trying to wrestle with those questions and some of them deciding, you know, what's more important is sort of the human side of this. Mm -hmm. How do we deal with these people? And what is it we're putting out there? It's not enough to just, oh, we did that last time, so let's do the sequel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, to – to find some way to grow. Or we were able to get the free space to do this last time, and so we're going to keep just doing shows on the level where all we do is what we can do in free space. You know, that works for so long.
2: Right. But, but I, think, I think theater, and I think many things, particularly outside of the United States, mm-hmm. um, really work on a, on a barter economy. And we were only able to do much of the work we did because of that barter economy. We were giving our time to the San Francisco Shakespeare Festival Mm -hmm. as volunteers throughout the year. And then we would actually schedule our rehearsal periods – in the space that they had right. in the USF yeah, oh that's that's for awesome. a long yeah, yeah, yeah. time yeah. up on Lone Mountain mm-hmm. around when they were not rehearsing. And right. our rehearsal space was completely free because right. we had that reciprocal relationship. That's a great partnership. That's a yeah, great partnership.
0: Yeah. It's funny just talking about that. We had Kim Donovan on last week, and she talked about looking for a community. And I think about when you're talking about theater companies, I wonder what is the purpose. You know, there's some theater companies that they're looking to make money they want to be the next A C T, or they want, right. or an actor's purpose. Some actors just want to be a superstar. I want to, I want to do this. Sure, go to New York or go to L A. and you know have my star shine. Right. Some are just looking for a community, somewhere where I can just create. I could be among people who create mm-hmm. and have a part of a, a, be a part of a family. We've heard that. That's been a theme throughout the people who we've interviewed yeah
1: they're just looking to create. I think it's a human impulse I, yeah. I, you know it's just interesting so. to see how it plays out in theater yeah. Yeah, and, and, you, and certainly, find,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, any time you create a show, mm-hmm. it's a deeply intense experience. I don't need to tell right. you.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Right.
2: And, and you do. You create bonds that, right. that are born of all that vulnerable exploration mm-hmm. that you're doing in the rehearsal hall. And then the mm-hmm. fact that you are going to be up there together taking this huge risk and depending on one another right. for that not to go south. Right. And right, so the, yeah. there are these bonds that are forged. And then I think that next that next level is a company that continues working over time, and so you're developing those long term relationships. And what you're starting yeah. to factor into say your programming is, mm-hmm. well, what what can we be doing that's going to serve your development or right. highlight you? What can we be doing to really stretch ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole other level of just really kind of creating a, 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 a tighter circle where everybody's development mm-hmm. is part of the conversation.
0: Yeah. I had a, I had a quick question. Mm-hmm. Right around the time, thinking about the John Walker Lynn Project, mm-hmm. at around the same time, 2003 or 2004, I was involved with the company of the ISIS Arts Project, ISIS Arts Collective, it was a guy named Mike Ward who, oh, sure. yes, who passed away. Like yes, right. yes. And there was a lot of activism going on because people were really upset with George Herbert George sure. W. Bush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, listen, we can't just be upset. We've got to use theater to make a voice. And when I did Summer Shorts, and that's that pink poster right there. Mm-hmm. I've got a wall of posters for those <laughs> who are new to the A. Um, there were a bunch of people who were just writing one acts. About how they felt about what was going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think Abu Ghraib had ha- ha- handled ha- happened around right. that time. It started mm-hmm. to
1: come out, yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, Cindy Sheehan. Um, there was the – Pat Tillman. Well, this. so, yeah. I was,
1: you know, talking about how Unconditional evolved, because you started off just – well, not just, but there were site-specific place uh, shows. Yeah, we explored uh,
2: several different ways of mm-hmm. – being in and responding to community. We, we did a couple of site-specific. We did a season of site-specific work that, mm-hmm. um, that was interesting. We performed one show in a, literally just a big open dirt pit, pit <laughs> across from City I Hall. I that mm-hmm. pit I know. Like, wow. I know. It's great. And it's a garden now. It's yeah. rather lovely. Yeah. It's owned by the city. It's, uh, well, I feel like that energy sort of inspired
1: commission. them instead of just to leave it to go, well, that wasn't that complicated. We could do something. Uh, well, it's sort of shocking they haven't, you know, sold it and put up a building. But, <laughs> but it's
2: no, it's quite lovely. Right. And yeah, yeah, so we did we did a, a show there, um, and and then after that season, we really dedicated ourselves uh, to doing documentary theater work. Mm-hmm. And so we did this play Greensboro, right. um, that was about a, a massacre by the Klan. They shot up an anti-Klan rally mm-hmm. in Greensboro, North Carolina, mm-hmm. in 1979. Um, and so we did that in 99 for the 20th anniversary of, yeah. of that event. Um, and it's all taken from interviews played by Emily Mann. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people playing the, the real people you know, and yeah. words from those interviews, sort of a la Ann Smith and Laramie mm-hmm. Project. Right. And so that's what we really started dedicating ourselves to. And so that's kind of the link between the work I was doing with Unconditional and what I, the work I ended up doing with students.
1: Well, the thing I love about that, though, is because, like, one of the questions that Reg often asks people is, Was there a particular style of training or something that you followed? And I I, I have to say I always kind of bristle at the question because what I'm interested in is it's great to learn whatever you learn. How do you incorporate it? And you guys went from Emily Mann, because that is like published as a play, right? Mm -hmm, Yes. Yeah, to taking your own. And Mm -hmm. starting to create. So, like, Voices of Activism, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that started – you started to develop on your – and I've always felt that way. I see local theater that comes from someplace else or they're doing a play that's hot someplace else. And it's like, well, you know, I I don't mean to be rude, but I don't actually care about Laramie. I really don't. But if you did the local version of that, I'd be – that I'd be intrigued with. Mm -hmm. You know, yay, Laramie Project sounds – Actually, it sounds like a lot of effing work. Yeah. (laughs) But I
2: remember when you had uh, Paige Rogers on. Yeah. I know that Cutting Ball did a piece that was based entirely on on interviews with people there in the Tenderloin where their theater is located. Right, And uh, my understanding is that was a a, a really – really lovely experience for mm. a, a lot of you know created some conversations and some connections that hadn't been there before right um, yeah and tied them more deeply into you know where, where they're working mm-hmm. and, and performing
1: yeah that that way then you can go back to the the greeks or whatever you want you know theater work and have a new audience go wow how does this relate to this other stuff we know you mm-hmm. you know this is how we know you oh this is the other thing that you love okay great mm-hmm.
0: what what has the impact been when i what i talked about some of the things that were happening in the early aughts, uh, and you know, and and companies basically saying, "Hey, we need to do something." That's that's the that, you know that's theater of activism. That's theater mm-hmm. of we're not we don't just want to entertain. We want to you know place a thought in your mind, and this is our interpretation or our what we our reaction to what's happening out there. And it sounds like that's what motivated you know, the companies and the, the projects that you've been involved in.
2: Yeah. I mean, when, when I'm thinking about, about doing a show, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's partly about wh- what, what what is the story or what is the, the narrative, mm-hmm. right. Uh, or the impact that you, that you want to have with your work. Mm-hmm. But, but I think another side of it that sometimes doesn't get as much focus is who are you looking to have an impact on? Right. Who mm-hmm. is the audience that you are creating this work for? Mm-hmm. And so if you're, doing a show in the San Francisco Bay Area and you're sort of just making points that are you know sort of superficially progressive right w- what have you done because you're just preaching to the choir yeah mm-hmm. right so how do you use your work in in this progressive context to further mm-hmm. understanding uh, and sort of uh, deepen the questions that are mm-hmm. being asked around things with an audience of people who probably are largely politically aligned with you already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so part of the, the question about what do you, what do you do in the, in the early aughts? Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we, you mentioned Cindy Sheehan and I, th- I know you, you, Norman, you just, you mentioned voices of activism. Yeah, that that was, was a, that was a piece that we, we did go out to Crawford, Texas, and mm-hmm. we um, interviewed folks who were, who were out there and, yeah. um, it, it was a, a situation right where it was during the Iraq war and mm-hmm. Cindy she and her her son had had died in the war, and yeah. she was asking that question of george w bush what what did my son die for what right. what was what is the purpose of this war
0: yeah mm-hmm. um,
2: and she had not gotten what she felt was a suitable answer right. and so just camped out by his mm-hmm. ranch where he often went to clear brush you yeah. know. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And a whole lot of people, you know, went down there and joined her. Mm -hmm. And so there was a moment at that point um, I for a number of years, my company um, was Mm co-run by myself um, and Kim Fowler. um, And she and I looked at each other and said, hmm, I. If, if we're asking these questions, so what, what, do you, what do you do as an activist or how do you make change, mm-hmm. that's the place to go. We, we need to be in Crawford because so many people are making that choice mm-hmm. to go out there and do something very strange and uncomfortable, to, like, camp out <laughs> basically in a field. At first it was by the side of a road, mm-hmm. right? And then eventually there was a local farmer who said, here, you can take over an acre of my, of my, right. uh, of my land. Um, and so that was just an incredible experience to go and interview people. Um, about what you know what what drove them how how have they managed to s- to stay hopeful or to remain in this work
1: mm-hmm, um, right.
2: because it's so easy to lose hope it's so easy mm-hmm. to do the work and not see the full results that you want and then you know give up or decide it's too hard and so that was kind of our project is how do we find that out yeah and then figure out who do we want to share that work with? Right. right, And so we performed it, and Norma, I'd love for you to talk about your just your experience in it, right? Because it was great collaborating with you. It but was but In the places, the places we went, mm-hmm. we go to different political rallies or democratic groups,
1: wow, or, and then other more community just colleges. Open. Yes, yeah. yeah. No, it was it was wild because you're taking transcripts, and these transcripts have been edited to some extent just to try and clarify a narrative. Or to clarify even a voice, you know, most people just aren't that particularly articulate. Sure. (laughs) So to emphasize where they are or to emphasize who that person is. Um, What was interesting to me about it mostly was that each time we did it, um, yeah, different audience. So who are we bringing this to? And more than anything, I mean, more than, because it was so stripped down. We really were walking in with scripts in hand. We're going to present this thing.
2: And some photography, right? You mentioned the use yeah. of multimedia. That cool. was also – that was always a part – whenever we could, right. whenever the yeah. facility could permit that,
1: yeah. But um, from the point of view of acting, of, of performance, and you know, connecting with an audience in that way, um, what was gorgeous was to say, okay, um, John found – I, I love that your style evolved in directing the piece, partly because we have limited time, so how much can I get done? But also just to sort of stay true to the voice. This is if you can see that there's this thread in this, like uh, like a character who doesn't cry, even though they're talking about very painful things, painful memories. And what was gorgeous was to get inside these memories, feel that pain, but remind yourself that I can't just indulge as an actor in this exactly. moment. Exactly, I have to hold it in. So. There were so many of the performances where I'd be kicking myself afterwards because I'd be in tears, and I was like, "God damn it!" And I'm like, "Oh well." From the audience's point of view, what they watched is somebody struggling not to let the tears take over. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Okay, so that was probably closer to mm-hmm. reality." Yeah, and
0: that that ties into you know because I, I went to I went to school of the arts and we and Circle in Circle and Square they've talked a lot about method acting and sense of memory. And what you're talking about, Norman, is that's, I mean, literally, you know, the character, that's what these people are going through. You know, they're fighting through mm-hmm. years. They don't want to cry. Mm-hmm. Right. But they feel it inside. Right, right. So, so it sounds like it was a fantastic experience. Oh, I'm, I'm it was c-
1: amazing. And also yeah. because we would switch it up. You know, depending on who we had, you might switch a role or pick up a role that you hadn't picked up before. Mm-hmm. And it was like part <laughs> of me is going, well, how did he do it? And part of me is going, you know what? I'm not going to worry about how he did it. Um, that's going to give me maybe a framework to stay within, but I'm going to fill this out my own way. And it was lovely for me.
2: I mean, part, partly the, you know, being on book, it's, it's yeah. certainly, it means that you can, people can come in for a, short, a shorter amount of time, a couple of rehearsals, right. and really try to get inside that monologue or, or this kind of interspersed, kind of juxtaposed series of lines from multiple monologs mm-hmm. um, and and be able to then perform it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and so we had a number of people inv- involved. Right. That right. You, As Norman mentioned, would switch out playing different roles. Oh, yeah. And what was so lovely for me was it meant I got to work with so many of my favorite folks, like even if they were in the middle of a show, mm-hmm. we'd say, great, we have this gig on a Sunday afternoon. And I know you don't have a Sunday afternoon show. So uh-huh. let's get together on, you know, on Saturday morning. We'll spend a few hours rehearsing it and you can be in Sunday's show. And and i think it's also there have been a number of um of pieces there's a piece called the exonerated mm-hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. um that was all interviews with with folks who had been on death row and ultimately were exonerated yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um and uh that also conceptually was done with a bunch of like movie stars and tv stars oh, who right. would come yes. in yeah. and they and so that was part of what would draw people in mm-hmm. right to engage with content they they may or may not want to you know mm-hmm. go and spend their friday night Hey, let's let's get a sitter. Let's go have a nice dinner, and then let's go listen to these stories of profound that are profoundly depressing, yeah. right. right? Of the experience of having being wrongly accused and in losing decades of your life in the prison system, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And so, how do you <laughs> make it more palatable? So, well, at least I get to see Robin Williams, like you know, yeah, playing exactly. playing one of the roles. But but keeping it on book, not just as a as a practical matter, mm-hmm. but also as a visual reminder: right. uh, this is not me. This is not a theater where I am trying to convince you that I am I am this other person. Mm-hmm. I, I'm merely a vehicle. I am reporting the words of another real person who was Got interviewed. And here's the
0: transcript.
2: And yeah. I'm just the vehicle for you to engage with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a visual aspect to that that I feel like actually honors the form.
0: Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally hear you because as actors, you're like, well, I, I must be the character. But here, I'm just the conduit. Yes. I'm just yeah. the... I'm just, you know, it's almost like a reporter, but more, more personal, more connected. Yeah. I think
1: going through that might have freed me up a little bit because like we're going through Foreman in Paris right now, which is historical. um, And I have to keep going to my actors and going, well, you sure aren't Richard Wright. You sure aren't James Baldwin. Yeah. But these are, this is the language and the essence basically of this character. Mm -hmm. And on some level, and I I think I knew it way back then even because we did a similar show 10 years ago. And, mm-hmm. um, and included a brief visit from Martin Luther King Jr. And the actor at the time was just so frustrated with me because I, I took what had been reported that King had said on this visit, which was very little that wasn't, you know, hello and how are you doing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, I feel like it's Martin Luther King and I should do more. We should have him say more. And I'm like, okay, so number one, he didn't say much. Number two, as soon as you say the word Martin Luther King Jr., the whole audience, of a recording goes off in their head. They hear his voice. They know what he said. You could just stand there on the stage and smile at them for three minutes and walk off, and they would be satisfied of having had a beautiful Martin Luther King moment Hmm. (laughs) without you saying a (laughs) frigging word.
0: And one thing that we've told the actors, you don't need to be Richard Wright or James Baldwin. You can be a person who struggled with homosexuality, mm-hmm. but is a writer. You can be a writer, an artist who's trying to create something, and you're not finding the audience for it, and you're not getting money for it. Right. Those are things you can connect with. Mm-hmm. You may not be able to connect with someone who died a half century ago. Right. You don't right. need to. No. So, um, I wanted to ask you how were the audience's reaction? Because you know, I've talked about it beforehand. Did theater companies who form their their uh, production or their their season producing plays that people want to see, sort of preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. But then there are companies who don't mind challenging an audience. I'm going to give you something you may not want to hear, but I think you need to hear. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Sure. I think there are um, there's a, a lot of really complex, challenging work out there that's asking um, audiences to sort of struggle to make meaning yeah. of, of what they're seeing. Um, and that's, that's not what, where, where I go. Mm-hmm. Um, I The place I go is to try to create something that is, uh, in terms of form, as accessible as possible mm-hmm. so that what you're struggling with uh, is largely not aesthetic – or about meaning, mm-hmm. but about personal connection. And Got so it. I love what you're saying about mm-hmm. how if you're going to perform a historical character, yeah. why is that historical character on this stage at this moment? Right. And and what are the questions that are really salient within what their experience or, or what they were trying to say at the time mm-hmm. that can be connected to somebody's, you know, life trajectory or, or the, the time and place that they're living in mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. that, that can then be the struggle for them is to yeah. make those connections that are quite personal for for them
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, with with what you're presenting yeah uh, through those through those voices
0: yeah I think that makes sense I mean you walk into the you walk into the theater expecting one thing well I guess they're going to talk about this historical figure or this event that happened mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden you while you're in the theater you're making there these connections or these emotions that are coming out through the performance. That may shock mm. an audience. I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't well, expect to feel that I way.
1: Um, I just came from this audition. Everyone was there. And he has just directed KISS at Shotgun Players. And he's talking about the audience response. The guy who went into audition for me came out and said, oh, I heard you're the director of KISS. I just saw it. I just want to tell you how much I love it and thank you so much for doing that kind of work. And then he left and they said, and it's really funny because our audiences either have that response Or the opposite response. And then they They broke it down a little bit and said, you know, it starts off kind of light and almost comedic. And then it goes to some unexpected places. And then it breaks form. And at a certain point, the audience may feel like, wait a minute, you're putting this on me. (laughs) And some people are uncomfortable with all Mm. that. I feel like there's a lot more work that is delving into that realm to the point of being willing to offend, which... I, I still would like to see people take a little more responsibility for that, a la Marin. <laughs> but um, I'm excited that it's happening. And then the other thing, the other piece that's sort of from that same early, the 90s period is, um, well, actually it's more 80s, 90s. Um, Spalding Grace, somebody just mentioned to me yesterday.
0: Mm-hmm. I heard the name. Yeah. Oh,
1: my God. I, and I was like, I had to get back and t- actually have to talk to you about it because he's, he, she's he's talking about a new project. His mm-hmm. work is, is, has been w- sort of one of the touchstones
2: for me throughout oh my, my life. I understand he was – He uh, was he, depressed. He, he, had, he had definitely had some problematic exchanges with folks throughout his, throughout his, his personal life. But, um, but I work, saw the
1: Bay Area yeah. theater scene get inspired yeah. and start to try to grapple with that work. And it's so exciting because on the one hand, it is too – it can be too indulgent. It can be. But if the performer really stays on track, you get to have what seems like a very personal experience with them, but you are engaged in a way that is that is live theater. That is the core of what live theater is. That isn't just watching a movie. It isn't just absorbing the material. Your presence actually affects how this thing shapes.
2: Yeah, and his his craft, I mean, again, you t- it's just – there's the table. There's there. There's the <laughs> glass of water. Um, and the and there's the script. Right? right. I mean, it is there. Right. right. Now he's right. he's memorizing it, but he's also making a choice to place it there. Right. Right. As as part of the aesthetic of it, mm-hmm. um, that he's sharing with you a story that he has taken notes on. Right. And the the depth of his work is in. Going out and living these experiences. I mean, the kinds of things, the kind of situations that he put himself in, right. so that he could write about them. Right. Right. I mean, it, what, it's uh, like, what, what is it? Uh, the motto for uh, for the yay?
0: Oh, oh life th- in the theater, the theater of life, the theater <laughs> of life. Right. Yeah.
2: And he was really constantly doing that of placing yeah. himself in these incredibly mm-hmm. um, difficult situations and insane situations. Mm-hmm. Right. And staying completely in touch with his level of anxiety and neurosis Mm. um, while he was in that and Mm -hmm. and then to take that and be able to write about it with such craft where you really go on that journey going, wait, I am as neurotic and anxious as you are and I would never have allowed myself to be in that (laughs) situation. I'm so glad you did because – Wow, now I know what it would have been like, and I get to have (laughs) the experience, and thank you, I don't need to have it again. But damn, that was quite a service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a service of vulnerability. I'm going to be vulnerable for
0: you. You don't have to
1: cry. I'll do it for you. But but continually entertaining, too. It was amazing. So I guess if I were to make that a question, the question is, um, are there things that you see currently in Bay Area theater where you feel like it's making some intriguing choices or moving in directions that seem – Fruitful. Mm. Um, gosh, that's a that's a that's a, a big question, it's and, and I, no, question. and I and
2: I have I have to, um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about what we might talk about mm-hmm. during during uh, t- today's conversation. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is is the fact that I have been focusing most of my energy in education, mm-hmm. so. Um, so, so I'm actually I'm I'm see I'm going out and seeing less professional work right. than than I you know than did for to, yeah. many years. Yeah. I'm also a dad. Right. Um, and so I've got a ten-year-old and an eight-year-old, right? And they're, they're at that and and, and no, and, age. And, and there's all of that wonderful, you know, focus, and right. and also just the logistics of oh, driving yeah. to a sure. lot of baseball practices, and, and all don't. of that. And so, so I I'm actually I'm, I'm I'm feeling sort of awkward about not really necessarily feeling like I have a real pulse mm-hmm. anymore, where I sure. really did for a long time. Right. Of what are the trends in Bay Area theater, mm-hmm. um, and so that's I'm also I'm teaching uh, one of the one of the things that uh, I'm expected to do at the Urban School is mm-hmm. direct a musical every year, right? And uh, that's that has not been part of really what I've done professionally, sure. right um, And in other schools where I've taught, and so. Um, so I've been on a bit of a crash course of going out and seeing musicals. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And I saw um, uh, Susanna Martin's uh, production of um, A Next to Normal, which oh, was just uh-huh. phenomenal. Okay. Uh, and so, so I've been really focused there, and I'm sure. really I'm, – I'm having a sort of a, a new experience of, like, what, what is that world of musicals okay. that I went to a lot when I was younger, but it was not my go-to aesthetic were right. not shows. So, so yeah. I have a little bit better sense of that, that there's, there's some really wonderful mm-hmm. uh, musical theater going, going on in the Bay Area right now. I don't know if that's a trend, but I'm newly feeling connected what? to it and cool. impressed by it. Yeah. yeah.
0: I would suggest if you're looking for a musical – one musical that we did when we were in high school, "Working" by Studs Terkel. Yeah, oh, because really? it yeah, focuses on yeah. different workers and different mm-hmm. aspects and cultures in life, right. and all that sort of stuff. Right. If you're looking for something, I no. And Studs cool.
2: Terkel is—I yes. mean, he—he he actually is right. a writer, yeah. right? Yeah. His impulse is very similar to the documentary theater impulse. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, he's oh, going yes. out conducting interviews. He's right. trying to capture a sort of, you know, the the what what is that zeitgeist that's going on mm-hmm. through just the. A juxtaposition of, of many, many voices. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
0: So. the question I had regarding teaching, you know, sometimes, and we've had so many like Norman you, and a bunch of other actors who get involved in teaching mm-hmm. uh, theater to kids. Sometimes you're a director. Sometimes you're uh, a counselor. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're a teacher. Psychologically, how difficult or easy or difficult has it been Connecting with uh, with students, you know, when you're involved in theater, especially teaching theater, sometimes you may touch on something yeah. that mm-hmm. that goes into other things. I don't know. Some kids may have things happening at home yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Have you mm-hmm. had those experiences where you've had to sort of put on a hat that you may not be used to, the psychology hat?
2: Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I, well, par- I mean, part of really part of the training when you go back and, and get your credential mm-hmm. and um, – you know, really kind of take on that role as a, as a classroom teacher rather than, um, a guest artist. Cause right. I was a guest artist for a long time yes. and that was new. It was like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, that, that, that was something I wasn't necessarily expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've moved, uh, as I've, you know, p- continued my, my involvement mm-hmm. as an educator and became a full-time classroom teacher, yeah. um, that's really just been part of, part of the deal. And, um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to be thinking about what you're used to or not used to. I just kind of, I kind of ex- expect that that is part of what I'm doing is that I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of both offering an experience around theater skills mm-hmm. and uh, around, you know, education related to whatever the, the story is within, mm-hmm. you know, with, within, within a play or scene work that we're doing, but, but that I, I really am just uh, assisting or facilitating the social, emotional Development of, mm-hmm. of, of these of these young folks, mm-hmm. um, and so I so I actually I'm thinking about um, I taught in Livermore, mm-hmm. um, and I founded a uh, drama department at a at a charter school out, out there f- uh, several years ago, and um, there were a couple of students who um, really had major social anxiety and and didn't mm-hmm. um, really avoided coming to school, mm-hmm. and the theater classes and the theater productions first of all the courage they had to push through that and to, to want to be on stage, I Mm -hmm. mean, uh, you know, for, for them to make that choice is, is hugely courageous. Um, but there was something about that space that we created in those rehearsals, in those theater classes. Mm -hmm. We talked about those, you know, that sort of development of kind of family bonds, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and the support that they received in those spaces became the reason they came to school. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to leverage that Mm -hmm. in a way to just get them back in the building. Right. And make sure that that was whether or not there was, you know, quote unquote space in in their schedule or whether it was going to get them enough credits. You know, Mm -hmm. no, this is this is a necessity for you. You need to come in here and have this outlet and this safe space so that you can then get up the guts to go on to Mm -hmm. take those go and be in those other classrooms where you feel like you're not as good at the content mm-hmm. and and are constantly feeling on blast or being judged by your peers or and it would be a fuel that would offer them, you know, yeah. to,
1: to get That's through the, the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, I, I've never yeah. thought about. So it I really embrace that role. Yeah. The skill set. I always think that the theater t- training is going to give you a skill set that is applicable in other ways. I hadn't thought of it. You know, you're you're putting it in a way where I'm like, OK, so that kid who feels a little awkward. And goes through a positive experience in the theater class is now going to feel awkward in algebra or in history, but feel more maybe able capable or at least have tools that they can access to start to deal with those feelings absolutely yeah, perhaps,
2: or just have had a breather to have a yeah. safe space in which to mm-hmm. just truly mm-hmm. be yourself, let your you know freak flag fly mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah. and not be judged for yeah. it. To then be able to move into other spaces where, you know, perhaps you feel like there is more judgment from mm-hmm. students who you haven't had that mm-hmm. ensemble trust-building experience with that just allow – just you just walk out with more confidence so you can get through the experiences, whether you know, whether you have additional skills to deal with it or
0: not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we have Danny Martin on who's also an educator, and he's talked about that, how students who have, let's say, issues or whatever, they love the theater, and they love going to classes that deal with theater. And it, it, it helps them and embolds them. It gives them Absolutely. a sort of foundation that they can use for other uh, aspects of their life. One lives. of the things that
2: I say to my students is that th- this needs to be one of the safest spaces in the entire school. Mm. Yep. And if, if folks are bringing in judgment or there's ever a moment where somebody is laughing at mm. a sort of a, a, a failed moment or a, mm. a moment where a risk was taken and it fell mm. flat. Those are, the, those are the moments that I, I just stop and, yeah. and say that that can't happen. Exactly. Right. right? We need to celebrate. And this is true in every classroom. Sure. I've, ta- I've taught uh, a lot of history classes right. as well. Mm-hmm. And I also talk, and, and this is true just in terms of brain development. If you, mm-hmm. if you don't feel safe, you can't take risks. And if you can't take risks, you can't explore and truly understand new material mm-hmm. because you're you're in a fight or flight kind, right. of, kind of a mode. So less content can get in mm-hmm. and you're afraid to ask the questions you yeah. have because you're worried you're going to be judged by your peers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so in, in the theater room to know that everyone is cheering for you and mm-hmm. there's some moment where, oh, my God, I was so thoroughly in that moment. Mm-hmm. And i Absolutely no idea what my next line is. <laughs> Let's celebrate how thoroughly in the moment exactly. you were. Right. Exactly. And now we'll figure out how to, you know, help yeah. you get clear about that transition to the next line. Right.
1: Exactly. Right? You're right, because that gorgeous it, it, it is, moment is going to... And everybody's going to enjoy that moment. Exactly. And however we move forward from there, yeah. Yeah. it was worth having. Right. Or if a student, st- in it, the audience is going to be lost in it too. Right.
2: Yeah. Or a student just in a class yeah. who is very, very guarded and they finally get up to play like, you mm. know, an mm. improv game like Freeze. And what they come up with is not particularly interesting or creative. Mm-hmm. They got up. Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> they got up.
2: They took the risk. And they can feel, if you've created the right educational space, mm-hmm. they can feel everyone's support and be like, you got up. That was so great. You, mm-hmm. did, you were not able to get up yesterday. Exactly. And there you are. Yeah. And now you can start exploring how to kind of free up you know, more spontaneity and creativity within that. And, mm-hmm. and we all celebrated the fact that you took that, exactly. that risk.
0: And, of course, the objective is not to make them an actor. It's just to get right. them to right. participate mm-hmm. yeah, and to, to build them up that's fantastic I, it was just just inspiring listening to this yeah. <laughs> Shout I mean, jo- no, yes, 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 well,
1: so I was going to let you know one of the things we usually start to wrap up with is shout outs about current shows so if there's some musicals or anything that you know of that you want to put the word out for that's great before I got to that though I wanted to touch on we had it wasn't you put out the word to a bunch of people just trying to ask how they dealt with Sort of the dynamics of casting, as it seemed like, at least that's what I responded to, but mm-hmm. it felt like there was just a question of how you're making these choices in a classroom setting, and I wondered if there was something useful that came out of that, because it seemed like a lot of people had a nice mm-hmm. time, of yeah, yeah, productive time of um, responding and having that dialogue.
2: So one of one of the words that I think is is really important to to grapple with, and I think is really at the center of uh, educational work uh, today, is the word equity. Mm-hmm. And uh, to really uh, to really try to get inside, you know, what what is equity as opposed to equality? Where mm-hmm. where are those places? If you say you're all about equity, what are those choice points where you're Looking at two choices and one is about equality and the other is about equity and Mm -hmm. both are defensible. Right. 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 And and but how do you if you're making a commitment about equity, about providing additional opportunities or additional support for folks who need it, Mm -hmm. um, which is by its very, you know, if if in terms of a sort of a standard, Mm. you know, dictionary definition is not equal. Right. How, how are you – when are you making those choices and how are you doing it mindfully, um, particularly in the context of, of theater where you want right. everyone to be in a, in a, in a place of, of trust and support for one another? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason it came up um, is it was, it was interesting. I specifically didn't identify what kind of equity right. um, I was asking about. I
1: loved that. Um, I
2: just said equity, and most people went to racial or class equity, mm-hmm. right, which is right. the place where we mostly talk about it and right. is really important. Yeah. In this particular case, and that's something I've struggled with as a theater maker, as an educator for right. You know, years, right, um, and in this particular case, it was about a student um, who was uh, identifying herself as, um, as trans right. and um, had been um, known in the community um, as a male student sure. in the last school year. And over the course of the summer, had come to this decision with her family, and came back to campus, and wanted female pronouns being being used sure. uh, for her. She mm-hmm. was now going by a female name, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, still presents as male in terms of just body type, and mm-hmm. um, not and not wearing particularly feminine clothing, right? Mm-hmm. But just asking that she be viewed and and understood and referred to as a girl. Mm-hmm. So as an educator, I have in history classes, right, or mm-hmm. even in acting classes, been absolutely in a, in a space of supporting that, that journey and that development, that self-identification, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but i would never been in a situation where we had to do with casting, mm-hmm. right? Because as a director, mm-hmm. we're doing the production Chicago. Right. And the roles are very clear. This is a male role. This is a female role. And so much of it is about – sexual tension or how are you using your, you know, your, your gender to sort of, you know, uh, either get away with things or mm-hmm. like create certain expectations right. that, you know, will allow people to, you know, sort of come over to your side because you feel like you're getting that sort of that heterosexual attention from them. Right. right. Um, and so, so, so that's the context in which we're doing this play and I am deeply invested in supporting her on her journey right. of being accepted and identified um, as a girl. Mm-hmm. It's also a musical so she's a bass right right And there are no female roles written in
1: right. base right? right And so
2: so how do you negotiate all of that and mm-hmm. try to be as supportive as possible for this student in their current gender? Um, exploration and identification. And, Reg, right. m- you mentioned high school being a pivotal time for that. Mm-hmm. It really is, right? Yeah. And so that's right. part of the work yes. is helping this student through this, this period, this process, and making a very courageous choice to come out in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and where where do you place this, this actress in this production right. mm-hmm. that's going to really best serve her and having a good experience and yeah. for the audience to – Feel that yes, you've been appropriately cast, right? And mm-hmm. so, one of the things that came out of that um, that dialogue that yeah. dialogue on Facebook um, was somebody saying, "Well, part of what we try to do in theater is not only reflect the world as it is, mm-hmm. but sometimes make choices about putting things on stage that reflect the world as we want it to be." Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so reading that, ultimately, this um, th- this actress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she said she was perfectly comfortable. We, you know, there's often gender bending casting going on, right? Um, and so she was comfortable playing a a male role in a mm-hmm. pr- in a principal role, right? Okay. But everybody in the production is also in the ensemble, right? Sure. And is needed for dance numbers. Mm-hmm. And so we did make the choice. We said, okay. So I think when you're in the ensemble, um, you'll be costumed the same way the rest of the girls are, sure, right? And then. This is new territory for her as well. Right, is thinking about so. Therefore, w- what what choices do does, like she had to think about? Do I want to be padded? Do it? Right. Do I because she's right. not going through hormone therapy or anything. Right. So, what choices am I going to make in just what's what's what type of a dress? What's inside the dress mm-hmm. that is going to be comfortable? Right. Right. Um, and not make it an, for her not to feel super awkward. Right. Right. Because everybody deals with just, you know, body image issues you being to, on yeah. stage right. and suddenly being in a dress on stage, you know, boy or, or girl, mm-hmm. right. You, everyone's looking at you. Right. Right. And it's particularly, you know, fraught uh, for, for her right now. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's been, that, that's been an interesting process in terms yeah. of how equity plays out within gender
0: identity with, within casting mm-hmm. and, a. And a, 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 an educational context. Yeah. And hopefully everyone's on the same page. Obviously, yeah. you've thought a lot about it. I'm hoping that everyone within the other teachers, mm-hmm. other students are on the same page of making things as comfortable for her. as yeah. that's totally possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, and
1: inviting the dialogue was huge. Yeah. And what? Inviting that oh, yes. dialogue yeah, was exactly. huge. Oh, Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes.
2: And it's been interesting. There was one mm-hmm. – there's one collaborator on the production who said – but everybody's going to be looking at her. They're going to be – she's going to draw more attention, and Mm -hmm. that's not the focus of this song, right? right. And so I had to really sit with that and say, well, I I think maybe this is more important. Yeah, right. Right. I think maybe supporting her on this journey is is more important. And, you know, your your goal as a choreographer is Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. figure out how to create the piece in which – Yes, it may draw attention for a little while, but mm-hmm. hopefully you've created an interesting enough piece where some people won't trip. And right. if they do, they trip
0: for a minute, and, yeah. and, and then they're if the, know, aud- if the audience is back the challenged, you, then they're challenged. On. And they're, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Yeah, you know, and, and that's and we've talked a little bit about that when we talked about the earlier stuff, the protest stuff. Sometimes right. you're going to bring something on stage where the audience is like, "Wow, I didn't expect that." Well, that's a, that's an event. That's a theatrical, you know, event that you mm. know. So.
1: Yeah, it was an an easy question to me because I've dealt with it for a long time now. And my priority is always, well, my priority is always I like making good theater. So (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I didn't realize how many options I had until I started to look at other questions like this and going, well, where can I put that kid where they get a good experience, where they, you know, the ones I can challenge are going to be challenged. The ones who are a little afraid of this process are just challenged by the process, period. Where can I put them where they can be comfortable, they can function well, and where I have some reasonable expectation that they're going to step up at least a little bit and make the story work? And, you know, I changed the way I think about casting because of that. I came mm-hmm. out of that just going, wow, I will I will always keep that possibility in my head because it's if you go to the easy place, then the audience also goes to the easy place. Yep. And they kind of check out. But when you go to the place that's a little challenging, if you can find a way to justify it, then you take them to that new place. And so this story that they might – or this character that they might have just sort of written off as a easy, I understand that character, is now an exciting, wow, I didn't know this. I didn't think about this. And that's been fun.
2: Yeah, that yeah. totally works. And I know you – You had some interesting things to say in that exchange. You were talking about lead roles versus
1: secondary roles. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to be at Oakland High next month. And, wow, we're at the end of the month. But, yeah, in October, I'm going to do a day or two, trying to keep it down to one day, in a couple of classes that are going to do the Tempest. And I'm – Gonna try and change my references to tempest, but I usually use Romeo and Juliet because everybody knows Romeo and Juliet, and everybody knows the characters Romeo and Juliet. But and that means when you take a group of kids who want to do the play, you're going to get a lot of Romeo, a lot of Juliets, and hopefully <laughs> more than a couple of Romeos. Uh, but if you're a good Romeo, if you're a good candidate for Romeo, then you're damn sure a good can- candidate for Malvolio, and you're damn. Sh- I'm Malvolio. Um, Mercutio. And you're damn sure a good candidate for Benvolio. Same age range. Um, if you've got the energy to bring off a Romeo, then you might be able to push a Mercutio, and I can help you with that. If you're solid enough kid that you could be my Romeo, then you're solid enough that you could be my Benvolio, who I need from the beginning to the end of the play to keep talking to us, the audience. And I found that that's not a problem. Most of the time, if kids got too much ego for that, then they probably actually don't have the skills where I could put them in Romeo Hmm. (laughs) in the first place. So I'm able to switch that up. And, you know, same thing with gender. I can have a Mercutio or a Benvolio. It doesn't matter. Um, I can work around those things. And by doing it, I suddenly found I was looking at who are my strongest – And where do I need my anchor characters? Because Romeo and Juliet, again, it's one of those things, like I said about Martin Luther King. You say Romeo and Juliet, and the audience has already written the story for you before they see or hear anything. So I don't care if my Romeo and Juliet are not the strongest people in my play. Right. If the people around them are doing all that other work that is necessary for the story, then this weird little relationship at the middle Mm -hmm. of this will be supported and will be made important enough and if it's kids, I'm probably cutting lines anyway. So, <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> and you, and you know, you brought this up up in other episodes of the podcast where you had this wonderful um, the, the what, do you, what do you call it the lesson of status?
1: Yeah. Where status is my big lesson. Yeah, yes. exactly.
0: And you've even proved it in our little production form in Paris, where we have a character, Marigold, who is only right. only in one
1: scene. She's one scene. She's one scene, and she, she has, barely speaks.
0: She has the fewest lines, yet in this party scene she has the most power because
1: mm. she's the power broker. She's the hostess, she's the power broker. She's a publisher, she's the hostess of this party. The argument that goes on. I'm like anytime you can look to her or include her. And I told her, anytime you can have a reaction to what's going on in this argument, everybody else on stage, when she has a reaction, that's important. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. just changed. the. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I staged it. It's so funny. I staged it with her downstage. Intentionally. She had very few lines. She's high status character. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to talk to her. So I can, by having her downstage... That means by you know by default everybody else is upstage of her. You can always turn down to say something to her, and it's. I knew the actors didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I knew because mm-hmm. I've been doing exactly this work. Yeah. So you can have your strongest characters or strongest p- actors play
0: secondary roles yeah. to up to uplift, let's say the primary character who may not be a very skilled actor or yeah. just a young actor. Yeah. But also, I had a quick story about. Working, I guess. So I had one in Off Broadway West. We did um, um, Master Harold and the Boys, and we had a a lighting. I was the stage manager, and we had a lighting uh, operator who was trans, um, biologically female, but wanted to be identified as male. He didn't. He didn't feel confident enough to tell me until a little bit later on. Like, I need you to t- address me as Sam, mm-hmm. you know, as as a boy. And I was like, okay, you know what, I I appreciate that. Thank you so much for telling me. I wish, you know, I should have known that sooner. So, you know, I apologize. I forget what, you know, I don't think it was an event or or an incident that happened. Right. But it reminded me theater is the place where people feel safe and they feel that they can express themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's important to keep it that way. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, in in the environment, you know, uh, John, that you're talking about, in the school environment, you Mm -hmm. know. If, as long as we keep it safe and people can express themselves, then I think theater has the purpose. It has a purpose of entertaining the audience, but it also has a, a purpose of creating an environment where actors and artists mm-hmm. can create freely. Without and judgment. It, and
2: in the high school context, it often is a you know it's, it's a scene. It's how you uh, many um, mm-hmm. students identify socially, and I know that was true for me in high school. It was yeah. you know my myself and all my misfit puppet friends who mm-hmm. you know would <laughs> be like yeah. that's how we identified, and right. uh, you know in the same way that you know pe- people who were on the football team like you know maybe right. identified that way right. as, as much in terms of activity as they did you know socially. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think as a as a theater educator, thinking about how am I creating that space, mm-hmm. while at the same time not allowing it to become so clickish right. that that it feels impenetrable to mm-hmm. other folks who are interested in the form, right, or could benefit from those classes, yeah, right, right. Yeah. um, but don't necessarily identify socially with a core group of kids for whom it's filling an even greater need, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's some of the some of the dance, some
1: yeah. yeah, some of the juggle, wow, yeah,
0: Absolutely. yeah. And I know I've, I felt it for me when I went, you know, I grew up in D.C. during the time that crack cocaine was just dominant. And Duke Youngson School of the Arts, the Arts High School, was just a haven for me. So yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful. And everyone who I've
1: graduated with is also thankful for theater. <laughs> Shout outs. Birthdays. We always do birthdays. John Tracy's birthday is today. <laughs> Happy birthday. And it's funny. For his birthday, he is raising money for Crowded Fire Theater. Oh, there we go. John. John's being nice. Um, other birthdays today, I'm trying to g- skip over the non-theater people. Ruben Grijalva,
0: a ah, uh, playwright who has yeah. been on here. i
1: mm-hmm. um, not getting a lot. Wow. I'm getting I'm getting. Lance a lot. McGee yeah. um, is an amazing performer. He has created a series of clown characters, and that's, I think, how he makes his bread and butter. But he, um, he also got his degree, his... I don't remember if it was his master's or his Ph.D., but he got his degree in uh, in drama therapy a few years ago and created a gorgeous piece off of it. Mm. So anyway, if you ever get a chance, especially if you have kids, if you hear that Lance, uh, what is his uh, unique uh, Derek
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah his, so his birthday's coming up Tuesday. Stephen Pauly's birthday's Tuesday. Lorraine Olson, this amazing – I know her. met her as a model. Lorraine Olsen. I oh, was that's statements. right.
2: Statements. Yes. She, we
0: were naked together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Pauly. I directed him in a, in a
1: show a number of years ago at The
2: Exit. Happy yes. birthday, Stephen. Yep.
1: Um, Angela Madura, who doesn't live in the Bay Area anymore, and I'm not even sure she's doing theater, but she was one of my first stage managers. John Fisher's birthday is coming up Wednesday. Major playwright, Rush Mm -hmm. the uh, theater rhinoceros Uh, a
2: couple days ago uh jenny reed who worked as a dramaturg on many productions i called
1: out jenny last week Uh uh-huh that was oh you called that out all right we'll celebrate her again yeah Uh, tanya schaefer's birthday's coming up thursday melvin melvin who Badiola, who we keep trying to get on the show (laughs) (laughs) um and i think that's all my theater folks oh (laughs) josh Josh Marchese. Josh Marchese, who was a member of
2: Unconditional Theater back was, in the day. I meant to wonderful right that in at
1: some point. <laughs> designer and yeah. tech
2: director, yeah. Wow. And director, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I've yeah. got a few folks. Uh, and
1: Alan Manalo
0: is the last one I've got. Ah, yeah, okay. And once again, you've taken mine. Uh, ah, <laughs> that's okay. You can get <laughs> another uh, James Centafonte, we've had him on the yay. He's a local actor. He's acted in Off-Broadway West. His birthday's today. Also a, um, not a... Technically a theater person, but she works tech and she loves theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alyssa Yabut, she is the wife of Forty Yabut, who uh, acted. Um, I direct. I he was in one of my uh, the mini musical that I wrote. Nia, mm-hmm. uh, Alyssa, she's worked tech for on uh, the Douglas Morrison Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, her birthday is today. Colin Johnson. The Colin the Johnson other that, Colin that I know. Johnson, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we know two Colin Johnsons. He's an incredible set designer and a lighting designer, mm-hmm. and he's worked with Off Broadway West a lot. His birthday is uh, Friday. Um, we mentioned Ruben Galva, also on Tuesday. Loren Gonzalez, uh, an actor who's worked in Bendelstiff a lot, great Philippine actor. He mm-hmm. turns twenty-seven on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Ellen tonight, Allison Crockett, who is an amazing singer. Her birthday is on Tuesday. Uh, we keep on saying, I believe he is alive, Joe Besecker. His birthday's Secker. coming out? Yeah, his birthday is huh. Tuesday. I wonder why I didn't have him. <laughs> um, Rebel Maria, also known as Golda, uh, she's a f- great Philippine actress. Uh, her birthday's on Wednesday, October the 3rd. We mentioned John Fisher. Um, Thursday, Jane Krongold. He was going to be our Sartre until he Oh, dropped oh right, out. right, 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 <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm going to delete that anyway. Ignore the music. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Miracle, (coughs) excuse me, Miracle Alston, uh, she is another Ellen tonight who um, graduated. She is an actress, and her birthday is Thursday, and... The last person is Amanda Cramp. I'm trying to remember what um, where I acted with her. But in any case, her birthday is on Friday. That's all that I have.
2: Um, I'm going to give one more shout-out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps it's a week ahead. It's next Sunday. Uh, Lynn Johnson, who is one half of uh, uh, Glitter and Raz and runs the Go Girls uh, oh. Theater Camp, Theater Educator, mm-hmm. plug for, uh, for one of us. Nice. Um, yeah, who's doing – fantastic work with, with using the arts uh, to promote girls empowerment yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, those are wonderful camps. so i can give mm-hmm. a give a plug for anybody oh, please, listening please. Mm-hmm. uh with a, a girl who's interested in a uh, in a drama camp mm-hmm. um those are quite wonderful my daughter did uh did one of their camps a year oh. ago mm-hmm. and uh yeah so very just, young uh oh sure yeah and it goes all the way through high school and yeah they work with a, with a lot of different age groups
0: mm-hmm. all right theater Theater, uh, Vince?
1: Four Men in Paris. Four Men in yeah. Paris. <laughs> Dirty Butterfly um, has one more week. They're this weekend and next Dirty weekend butterfly, at the Waterfront Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, Kiss, I don't know what its dates are, but it's a Shotgun Players. I think Players. it was
2: an extension. It may be mm-hmm. closing like this weekend, like maybe? right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So Piano Fight has uh, Demos Kratos Theater, plays for and by the people. Um, I don't know when their run is, but uh, there that's happening. Hedwig and the Angry Itch, of Light Theater, that's mm-hmm. running.
1: Preda Project.
0: The Prida Project, of course, we'll plug that mm-hmm. as well. Dream Girls by the Berkeley Playhouse, running uh, September 21st through October the 21st. Right. A good friend of mine, Sean J. West, is uh, in that. Oh. Um, the Brooklyn Preserve, uh, they have The Gods Are Not Happy, a dark comedy for dark times. And uh, a good friend of mine, Fallon Blazer, mm-hmm. runs the Brooklyn Preserve. It's actually oh, a – Oh, right. Yes, yes, it's yes. It's a converted
1: church, it's, uh, yeah, which is now a theater. Yeah, it was um, – oh, gosh, I forget the name of it, but yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Clybourne Park, the Altarina Playhouse. That runs October the 5th through November the 11th. And, of course, well, we've plugged a Foreman in Paris, obviously. Uh.
1: For color girls,
0: color girls. That's oh right.
2: yes, yes. Well, th- I think that is. I think that also may be closing. closing yeah, the, the next couple minutes, right? <laughs> <laughs> but
0: uh, let's see. Once upon a mattress. Well, that DMT that that ends actually tomorrow, uh, and then we move in. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's it uh, for color girls. Yeah, you mentioned color girls. That's September the fifteenth. That's when it opened, and mm-hmm. it closes tonight. Well, you said there's an extended? There, no, extended? not
1: for Color Girls. It's not. I don't think there's an extension.
0: Okay, yeah, so it ends It ends tonight. And uh, I plugged this also, SF Olympians 9, Roman oh, Holiday, right, right. the Exit Theater, October the 3rd through the 20th. And I have a couple of friends who are writers and actors in that.
1: Mm-hmm. We might have to get Stuart on at some point so he mm-hmm. and I can go at it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've we gone toe-to-toe before. <laughs> you, you walk away going, we're, yeah. we're the adversary. Okay. John, did you
0: have a good time here? Oh my God! I had a wonderful time. Yeah, so I'm th- you I love chatting We both could of just you. We talk, talk more and more and more. Um,
2: I know. Well, Nor- Norman is one of my favorite people to <laughs>
0: chat with. So I, I'm lovely, Reg, to, to, uh, to yeah. get to ta- chat with you as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And uh, here's my plug. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right hand side, and search for the Yay. You can find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and search for The Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or just you just want to advertise yourself, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, what else, Twitter. Uh, you can find Norman on Hoosier Hoosier. And me, Reg Clay, Reg Space Clay, and we'll take it from there. And Well, I, I yes. wanted to
1: say, just because bur- my birthday's coming up, and of course I'm celebrating mm-hmm. that. Um, Monday, uh, the 8th, not not this coming Monday, but yes. a week from that, Mara is playing at the Golden Bull in downtown Oakland, 14th and Broadway. Uh-huh. And um, and I'm kind of making that a part of my little celebration. All so right.
0: Is there a website? Right. Maybe we can uh, uh The uh, Golden link?
1: Bull? I don't know if they have one. Okay. I'll look.
0: I'm sure we, maybe even a Yelp thing we can uh, so people can link on it and all that stuff
1: yeah there's definitely that all right
0: all right so take it up when you find it from you know put us up on Facebook and uh, we'll take it from there if you want to contact us and we we've we've gotta, gotta find, find a, a better, better sign off and we are better.